I think fostering community can be really powerful. Um, you create more people that are more loyal, the usage is there. And then also I'm just from a general brand standpoint, you end up having your own customers helping other customers with issues or problems. Welcome to Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I'm your host, Christine Trumbull, a certified exit planning advisor, CPA, and certified tax strategist. I've spent the last 30 years working with owners to grow and scale their businesses, and then went on to help my own husband grow his. After his passing, I moved to the next chapter, ensuring seamless transitions for family-owned and closely held businesses. Each week, we're talking to experts about growth and transition, so you can not only simplify exiting your business, but also get as much wealth out of your business as possible. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. This is Christine Trumbull with Mastering Your Exit Strategy, and thank you for joining me again today. Today, I am speaking speaking with Matthew Holman. Matthew is the head of head of growth at QPilot, a subscription management platform for e-commerce businesses, and the founder of ShareHouse, an e-commerce community. So, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Christine. I'm happy to chat with you. So, do me a favor before we get started. Tell me about these two companies. What what sure. are, what do they do? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's kind of important to know a little bit more about me. I'm a big proponent of uh, education. I love uh, helping people figure things out. Um, so it's great to be in the business of trying to educate subscriptions, um, especially for e-commerce companies. So, so ShareHouse is a community that we're, we put together. We do events. Um, we have a Slack channel, um, basically, where people can come to asking all kinds of questions from what 3PL should I be using to, does anybody know a good designer or, uh, you know, uh, who should I be going to for manufacturing in China for little leather bags. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Q pilots all about subscription software. So brands that are really trying to unlock a powerful subscription experience for their repeat customers. That's mm -hmm. kind of what we're all about doing. Okay. All right. So, um, do me a favor and let's define what a digital subscription business is. Sure, absolutely. So a digital subscription is going to be something that's selling you a digital product or a product that you're going to be consuming online. So the most mm -hmm. popular that people think of is like Netflix or Amazon on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. But another really common one might be something like Masterclass, right? So you're paying them a monthly or annual subscription and you get access to digital content or videos, right. things like that. So that's a, okay. that's a good example of a digital subscription. Okay. And what's the without being, um, well, what's the difference between digital and physical good subscription businesses? Sure. So if you think about, for example, like you might have a subscription to Uber Eats as a digital to get like a special discount on all your delivery orders. Okay. But, um, you might say you have your pet food you get on a subscription. And so that pet brand, Petco or whoever it is, is sending you a physical good each month. That's a good example of a physical one. So Okay. Really common ones are like um, protein powders, coffee, CBD is growing in popularity, pet food, 
Um, really anything that kind of gets consumed on a semi-regular basis. And Mm -hmm. there's even some we're seeing that's kind of interesting from the B2B space is you might buy a water filter and your filter gets replaced every six months Mm -hmm. and you get the the filter on a subscription or like an auto ship so that it just comes without you having to think about it. Yeah, I actually had one of those. (laughs) I had one of those for a while. So what are some of the challenges that a subscription-based business is going to be experiencing that might be different from a different type of um, like a typical brick and mortar. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about a lot of businesses, you start out, maybe you're selling something, right? Like um, I think a good example might be start with pet food, right? You Mm -hmm. you start a pet food business. Say you want to change how corgis get uh, dry dog food, right? That's your mission. So you decide you start selling it, you source it, you get on all these things about your business. You're starting to sell it online. And it's just hard enough just to get people to buy it once. And then a typical um, e-commerce play is you then try to use email and other things to try to engage people in repeat purchases. Okay. The tricky thing with a subscription is you already have this fear or um, friction is a, a way to think about it of people not wanting to buy something once. Okay. And now you're asking somebody to commit to something on a repeat basis. And so sure. it, it introduces a few other variables from a, from a customer acquisition standpoint, trying to get people to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then logistically, there can sometimes be some um, challenges based on how those orders get fulfilled without getting too far into the weeds. It's, yeah. it's just sometimes just a little bit different. A typical mm-hmm. store like Shopify is really good at taking regular orders, but you have to add an app like a recharge or a Q pilot to okay. take the recurring order piece. And so that adds a layer of complexity to running that kind of an operation. Okay. All right. Yeah, it definitely does. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen um, that these businesses are making when they're launching that subscription program? Yeah, really common one that I see a lot is that um, businesses are doing it because they feel like recurring revenue is good for the business, which I I understand from the executive level, it is, it's predictable. It allows you to plan around, right. It's a great thing to do it, but they're doing it because they want to get more money or predictable money. A really good example of a a bad idea. This is, or um, one that I like to maybe poke a little fun of is earlier this year, BMW announced that they were going to do a subscription to uh, their heated seats. So if you buy a car, (laughs) you get the car comes with the heating (laughs) technology in the seat, but you have to pay $20 a month to unlock that feature within the car. (laughs) Seriously. I'm not joking. I can't. Very disappointing. So that's an idea. And again, I'm, I I wasn't in the BMW planning sessions. They didn't consult me on this, but the idea is they're coming at it from a, we want to just figure out how to make more revenue. The, the, The other really common mistake that I see is, people trying to launch something really, really sophisticated right out of the gate, right? Like you're trying okay. to be Elon Musk and launch Tesla when, when you don't even know how to make a skateboard or, or all you right. make are skateboards, right? Right, right. So, so I, I often think of like when we're talking about ways to kind of keep this simple is you want to try to come up with a good MVP to test your theory, right? That's yeah. great business practices across the board. If I'm selling this Corgi pet food one time and I have the assumption that people might want to buy this on a subscription... I should, hopefully I'm basing that off of uh, customers telling me existing mm-hmm. customers asking for that and, or mm-hmm. some other form of method of validating that idea. And then what can I do to start with that right away? Like, what can I do that from a simplistic standpoint before I create a really complex, like Corgi educa- entertainment center that comes with the subscription, right? You want right. to keep things simple. Right. 
Is that kind of what I'm seeing with Amazon? Because some of my purchases are coming up with the ability to make them subscription-based, but not all of my purchases come up that way. Yeah, it seems it's like they're just kind of, I don't know what their algorithm is or what they're basing it on, but. A lot of it is the brands themselves electing to do that. Um, okay. Amazon, if for a lot of their um, staples, their, their base brands, they're going to be on, or the essentials brands, um, they offer that option. Mm -hmm. um, so they definitely like locking you into getting that purchase. Um, and Amazon makes it really convenient. It's, it's not necessarily the most flexible of programs. You don't have like a ton of control, but right. But, you know, um, like for, I know a lot of people shop with Amazon differently, but for me, it's great for consumables. And so, mm -hmm. um, I have a couple things on subscription because I just get them from there. They're the best place to get them. Right. But I don't think about it. Um, and it's not like a brand experience. It's not like right. they're enhancing my life with the subscription. No, no, not at all. I, I tend to stay away from it just because I'm <laughs> I like fighting the system a little bit. <laughs> well, well you're, you're laughing about it, but you're raising the number one reason why I think a lot of people don't try them is they're reluctant to like what you, you end up not feeling like it's difficult to cancel. You're going to end up with too much product. Like those are really common reasons. Like, not a lot of people do are like all like, Oh, I'm all about subscriptions. Most people are like, I do it a little bit, maybe here or there, but a lot of people are reluctant to. Right. Well, I, every time I do it, I always end up with way too much of whatever it is that has been on the subscription thing. And, and it drives me insane. And then I right. have to remember to go in every month and, and, and do that. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. One of the negatives of being yes. on a, uh, you know, the product-based subscription thing. Now I love masterclass. So. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. It's a little different. So what are, um, what are some of the key things that people that, that are, that's uh, yeah, the, the, the people that these businesses are, are doing to help grow that subscription program, the successful ones, what are, what are some of the key things that they're doing? Yeah, I definitely think there are some, you know, let's think about like, there's some psychology components that are going into there too, right? So like the idea that um, maybe you get that notification in a text message. So it's right there in your hand. You think right away if you want to pause it or, or skip or switch out a product. So it's really easy to manage. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I, I'm bald. I've been shaving my head for years and I love my Dollar Shave subscription. But mm -hmm. one of the reasons I've stick with them for so long is because there have been times where I've just not even gotten something right. Like I end up with a couple few too many replacement razors and I just push it out three months and I mm -hmm. change the schedule really easily to be every six weeks instead of every four. Cause I'm not right. shaving as often. Right. Right. So I think those are some good things, but, um, if we're talking like some basics, I think it really comes down to collecting data around why people are buying, mm -hmm. why they're using it and then why they are no longer using it from a subscri mm -hmm. subscription standpoint. So right. we think about like, um, you know, this Corgi pet food example, it's like, okay, people are buying that because they want um, better food for their Corgi. Okay. That's pretty mm -hmm. simple, but why would people want on a subscription? Well, they don't want to run out. They don't want to have to use replacement food, pet owners, right? We're notorious. You can't switch out food on your dog very easily. Right. 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 Okay. So if, if that's the case, they don't want to run out, but they also don't want too much because that's, a, then we get into the reasons why people are canceling. They're canceling because they have too much food. Um, they wanted to try something different. Um, you know, maybe there's other reasons that go into that. So can I craft an experience where I'm explaining to people how much pet food their Corgi actually needs instead mm -hmm. of they just figuring it out mm. or I'm prompting with questions. Is your Corgi 
like eating it at the expected rate? Do you need it a little bit sooner? Do you need it a little bit later? And, and so, and that's just some of the basic ways that you start to engage around the information you have on why people are subscribing to you in the first right. place. Right. So I would, you brought up um, the, the, what is it called? The dollar shave club. Yep. I can't remember what it was yeah, called. Dollar shave club. Do- okay. The dollar shave club. Uh, they have, a. Um, uh, it's my understanding that they have a fairly loyal community around them. So I would think that in order to be successful with this, you do have to really build out that community um, around that subscription program. Yes, no, maybe kind of. And if so, well, how I, do you, I would how, say that I would say it's, that? it's a great thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not necessarily um, like there's plenty of brands that I work with that aren't great at fostering community um, and, and don't necessarily have that strong of a community. However, I think that those are two things that actually play really, really well together. So mm-hmm. um, it, just as an example, um, one of them that we work with is called uh, Hemp My Pet, and they do something that's a little bit different. They like your classic subscription offers, like you get a big discount up front to try the subscription. Mm-hmm. They go the other direction. They're like, you don't get the best discount until you've been on the program longer. So you get 5% off every month increasing for six months. And then at the six month mark, you get 30% off. Oh, okay. So they're, they're, they're trying to say like, Hey, we're not actually not as interested in just grabbing whoever we want to grab people that like the product and love the product and stick around to the product. And we're actually going to reward those people more than new customers. Okay. So if you think about like, that is a great way to niche down to be really specific. And so I think fostering community can be really powerful. Um, you create more people that are more loyal, the usage is there. And then also I'm just from a general brand standpoint, you end up having your own customers helping other customers with issues or problems like right right okay we we hit on a couple of reasons why people don't stay with a subscription what are some of the reasons why people do stay with or start with and then and then stay with a subscription there's definitely a couple i think with um if you're thinking about it's something that you're already going to be consuming regularly it makes sense to add a little bit of um predictability in exchange for like a discount too. So if I know that I'm going to be buying pet food every month, you know, it makes sense to subscribe to something that I'm getting that regularly. That way I save a little bit. And I also don't have to think about going out to order it or forgetting kind of thing. Right. So there's some, certainly some convenience factor there. Um, I think that there's, um, some brands are really great at, um, you know, unboxing or delight, right? So mm-hmm. subscription boxes themselves are have been growing a lot over the years because you're subscribing, say, to like your monthly meat box or um, one that I saw is like a, a guinea pig box where for guinea pig owners, they get every month, they're getting different toys and things to play with their guinea pig pet. I know it's, it's, it's quite funny, but like this founders built an incredible business on on knowing a customer and knowing what delights that customer. And so people subscribe to that because they're getting different products every time. Right. Right. So it really just comes down to kind of like your base premise or like, is this, is this um, another one too? Is like, I, you know, I use uh, CBD, I use Delta eight to sleep every night. So for Mm -hmm. me, I love having a CBD subscription where I know that I'm just getting the product. I don't have to think about it. I'm dependent on it in some way. So I don't want to, I don't want to have to worry about getting more right um and the and the product implies like regular usage and like regular like wanting to use that so it's right. important okay so um what are some things that a subscription based business can do to increase their value 
to ensure a best in class standing in, in that, in that valuation area? Yeah. I'll use an example. Actually, I was working with a brand yesterday. Um, they sell some, um, products directed directly for women, like hormone supplements, um, libido supplements, um, stomach supplements or gut supplements. And one of the interesting things we were discussing is this idea of like, how do they add more value? So your specific question. And one of the things they were thinking about after this really long conversation was they were thinking about adding maybe some tools, some free tools that help mix their drinks. Mm -hmm. And while that seems like kind of a natural idea, you know, they had also told me that a lot of customers initially have um, some reluctance of wondering if the product is going to work, right? Like, you know, this idea that the powder or drink can like totally change your hormones is, yeah, you know, right. Um, and people sometimes forget to use it. So if we think about from a brand experience, what would be really powerful to helping their customers, mm -hmm. it actually might be like testimonials about other women that have used the product and the benefits they've seen. And, and expressing some of that doubt they might have had initially or not. So for me, I, I say that the the best brands are figuring out the the reason why people are buying, mm -hmm. and they understand the the reasons that people either cancel or are reluctant to buy. That mm -hmm. doubt for whatever reason, it just depends on the product and the industry, right? Um, and how can I enhance the experience to solve that problem? So, so, so another good example is if it's like, say, you know, again, this Corgi pet food example, which I said to be funny, but it just works to keep bringing it up. Sure. You know, if, if, if Corgi pet food or Corgi owners are buying this pet food because it's more healthy for their pet, mm -hmm. how can I enhance the subscription? Well, I could include exercises and fun games to play with the Corgi. I could throw in a chew toy now and then, like I could do um, a Facebook group of Corgi owners where they all share pictures of their pets, right? I could even yeah. put on a little event, local event, like coming into this community idea. And a lot of those things are actually really cheap and easy to do from an ROI perspective or from right. a cost perspective, but the ROI on them can be really, really high because you're talking about enhancing this, this membership subscription, this experience. Right. Excellent. Okay. So one last question. Sure. What are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? Uh, um, so I lied. I do put one zinger in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say I'm reading. I'm reading too many, um, too many marketing books and community books. Um, I will say um, one series that I'm working my way through um, is a series by Dorothy Dunnett. Um, it's the Francis Lyman Chronicles. I don't know. It's historical fiction. It's a little obscure. Okay. I, I love historical fiction. Um, gets into politics and yeah. things like that in like okay. uh, 16th century Europe. Okay. I'm I'm actually currently reading. I love his. I love history, and uh, depending upon the book, I do like historical fiction as well. Um, but currently, I'm reading *The Vile and the Splendid*, which is about uh, can't remember the the author, but it's about uh, Winston Churchill during the Blitz. Okay. So it's it's quite fascinating. fascinating. It's all based on uh, journals from everybody. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, uh, I I'm enjoying it. I love Is that what yeah. the darkest hour movie was based I, off of or something similar like that. I don't know. Cause that I, movie was just so fascinating to see the insight of how they were reacting to a lot of that happening. I yeah. don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> um, I don't watch a lot of movies, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out. So, um, you have a YouTube channel uh, called? Uh, yeah, Subscription Prescription. So I do a lot of regular content around that. I've got an email newsletter, Subscription Prescription, YouTube channel. 
Okay. Um, basically, I take a lot of stuff I learned from other merchants, people that I'm working with, um, and distill them down into what I hope are consumable pieces so that people can learn more about how to improve their subscription program. Excellent. Okay. Well, Matthew, thank you very much for joining me today. I, I think this was, uh, I think this had a lot of very good information. Um, and I, I do hope everybody found it valuable, but thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Christine. All right, guys, as always, thank you for joining me today. And hopefully you did find a piece of information that was helpful to you. I will have uh, the links to his website as well as the YouTube channel in the episode notes. So as always, um, take care. This is Christine Trumbull with Mastering Your Exit Strategy. See you next week. Bye.